All right, I am going to, um, I thought about, I'm going to bring some awesome revelation. You know, you, you think, okay, I'm going to, but you, you guys are new covenant. I mean, come on. You probably heard every revelation there is to hear. So uh, um, I, I like you. <laughs> that was a laugh of humility right there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I thought, well, I could bring some, uh, like a revelation that I, that I have in Scripture. Um, and, uh, and then I thought, you know, I, this has been a crazy year for me. So if you don't mind, I'm going to just share a little bit about my story. Um, and it actually involves my dad. If you need a title for the message, it's called My Father's Son. Okay. And uh, let's go. I want to read scripture first, and then we'll jump into the story. So if you want to go with me to Luke 12, we're going to start with verse 22. Um, and he said to his disciples, Jesus, of course, talking here, for this reason, and anytime you see it for this reason, it's good to go back up and say, well, why? Um, he had just really unloaded a lot of good stuff on them in the previous verses. And he says this, he says, do not worry about your life as to what you will eat, nor for your body as to what you will put on. For life is more than food and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap. They have no storeroom, no barn, and yet God feeds them. How much more valuable you are than the birds, and which of you by worrying can add a single hour to his lifespan? <laughs> if then you cannot do even a very little thing, why do you worry about other matters? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toll nor spin. But I tell you, not even Solomon in all of his glory clothed himself like one of these but if God so clothes the grass in the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, how much more will he clothe you? Uh, you men and women of little faith, I'm not saying that to you guys, but um, and do not seek what you will eat and what you will drink and do not keep worrying. For all these things the nations of the world eagerly seek, but your father knows that you need these things. But seek his kingdom and these things will be added to you. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your Father has chosen gladly to give you the kingdom. We could pretty much close in prayer right there. You know, much of my life was wrapped up in trying to figure out who I was. <laughs> much of it was wrapped up in, in uh, worrying, you know, one thing I, I will say about, uh, and you guys are, you're a, you're a prophetic church, which means many of you have gotten lots of prophetic words. And you know the difficulty it is when you receive a prophetic word and it doesn't come to pass immediately. It's a challenge, isn't it? Um, I found that for myself as well. In fact, um, I, I kind of evaluated my life in the present based on whether my prophecies were coming to pass or not. So if ones weren't coming to pass, I had a tendency to judge myself from a standpoint of, am I doing something wrong? Am I missing something? Am I, am I not worthy of the blessing of God? When in reality, God had it all along. It's always the timing of the Lord as to when he releases it. So I was learning through the years to not be bound to the past, but also not to be enslaved to the future. That makes sense. The words, encouraging words. They're, they're. I love them and absolutely 
say never stop doing that. Never stop talking, prophesying, praying over people and what you're sensing for their future. That's important because it's catalytic to them stepping into the fullness that God has for them. But for us, let's not get caught up in it so much that we never live in the present because we're always longing for the future. Okay? So that's where the story begins. This is a story about my dad. My dad is, uh, he's a ripe old age of 89 years old. And uh, my dad, we weren't all that close. Well, let me say that, uh, let me give you a little more backstory. My dad, originally from Indiana, he was born in, uh, in I think, 1928, if I remember correctly, which puts him, he's around 89. Uh, he was born into a family that was farmers, and they worked the quarries in southern Indiana. So he lived down in uh, Goshen, and eventually they, they, the family bought a farm in Spencer, actually Whitehall, which is down near McCormick's Creek, if you know where that's at. Um, and so dad was a hard worker from day one. I mean, he was brought into a, a, a farming family. I remember my grandfather always said my dad was the best milker of all the kids that they had, and they had a lot of kids. His ability to be able to get up in the morning and milk was phenomenal, and of course they milked in the evenings too. Um, and then uh, eventually uh, uh, the military called, and my dad enlisted in, uh, in the Air Force, and uh, actually was, uh, was during the Korean conflict or the Korean War. In fact, uh, if you could throw that, if Chad's back with that picture of my dad, it's the one of the military, there he is. Good looking guy, huh? You see some resemblance there? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a great picture. I, in fact, I just ran across some of his, the patches that he's got there and some of his metal things and all that. So he was, uh, he was stationed in Korea uh, on an air base. Uh, I couldn't tell you where, where it's at, but uh, um, he saw a lot of interesting things there. He was a communications guy. He worked electronics and... Eventually, after the, uh, the war, or after his tour of duty anyway, he came home, went to work for a company in Indianapolis called Bridgeport Brass. He was an electrician there and worked all the time. He was also married uh, my my mom, Flo. This is Robert, by the way. We call him Bob. Well, I call him Dad. And my <laughs> – that would be weird. Hey, Bob, how's it going? <laughs> uh, and then my mom – Florence or Flo, they met actually when my dad was, uh, uh, when he was at a, um, he was at an air base in Iowa, and um, it actually wasn't an air base, it was a base, it didn't have any, it was an Air Force base without the airstrip, but my mom was a, was a young, uh, whatever, interested in military girl, a guy, girl, <laughs> and uh, so dad met her there, and they eventually got married. Uh, eventually settled back here in Indianapolis, lived off of Belmont. Dad was working at uh, um, Bridgeport Brass, and my mom worked for Lilly's. And uh, and then when I came along, all that stopped. And uh, and my mom, she reminds me daily, you know, if we didn't have you kids and I was still working at Lilly, I'd be rich by now. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Mom. <laughs> Glad I was such a blessing in your life. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> but something happened in, uh, it was in 1988. 
I had just been married two years to my wife, Karma. Um, Karma, and her name is Karma with a K. So you know, you know the you guys. I've said this joke many a times. Based on the day, given week, whatever, I could be living with good karma or I could be living with bad karma. <laughs> it's my wife. Okay. So in 1988, uh, I got a call in the middle of the night. My dad worked third shift, which, by the way, my dad worked all the time. He was, he was an incredible provider. But I think, you know, looking back on it, it was his excuse to get away from mom, too. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's funny. <laughs> but in 1988, I got a call in the middle of the night. It was from my mom, and my mom said my dad had been in an accident at work, and it was serious, and that uh, I needed to get to the hospital. He was on his way to Methodist to the ER. And so, you know, I, I suited up and headed down to, uh, to Methodist Hospital in Indianapolis. And uh, what had happened was my dad's a, he's an electrician, but by that time he was a supervisor of the electric shop um, on third shift. And he was with one of his electricians, and they were up in one of these lift units, a hydraulic lift unit. They were 20-some-odd feet in the air, and they were working on a very large bridge crane. And the bridge crane was having issues with its braking system. And so they were testing the crane out. And, uh, and apparently the controls weren't working properly because the crane was getting closer and they couldn't get it to shut off. And they were in a position where they couldn't get the uh, hydraulic lift down in time and the crane actually hit the lift. And it, it basically, the one guy rode it down. So he hung on, didn't have as severe injuries, but my dad literally like a piece of wet soap got thrown out of, keep that in mind, 20-some-odd feet in the air, got uh, thrown out and ended up landing in a steel rack, you know, some 20 feet below. So sustained a lot of injuries. And uh, the, the worst one of them all was he had, a, had head trauma, I mean, a serious head trauma. And so he was out and down for the count. And we really didn't know whether he was going to live or not. I mean, the, it was that serious. And so uh, he made it through the night in ER, and we uh, eventually they moved him into uh, the head trauma unit, unit at Methodist. It's actually one of the most, it's a renowned one. A lot of people have, even race car drivers and people that had injuries have gone there. And, uh, and so dad was in the hospital. That happened uh, in June of, I think June... See, it was the 22nd, and he didn't come home for the first time until uh, Labor Day weekend. So gives you an idea of how much time he was in there. And uh, honestly, for a better part of two weeks, we didn't know whether he was going to live. And even if he did live because of the head trauma, we didn't know how, how he was going to come out of it, what he would remember, or would he be a, a vegetable. We just had no idea. And uh, one night uh, after three weeks of being unconscious uh, in a coma state. One of the nurses was walking down the, <laughs> down the hall, and my dad saw her and smiled and waved. You know, he, he woke up, you know. And, uh, but it was, uh, it was an interesting wake-up because um, he, he was quite disoriented. Um, I remember the first time he saw me after he'd come to, he thought I was his older brother. You see, he thought... He thought my mom, his wife, was actually his mom. And uh, we realized that 
much of his past was gone. And uh, so we were in a position, knowing now that he was going to live, that it took, you know, I, I would bring photo albums and things, and I kind of just kind of re-upload his life and his history because he lost all that in the head injury. And, uh, and it was... It was uh, it was joyous and sad all at the same time because he actually had to live the deaths of his brother and his mom and his dad all over again, you know. Once all of that was restored, and so it was a it was a really interesting time. Spent a whole lot of time at the hospital. I remember my mom at one time telling me she goes, you know, I think it would have been easier had he died, and uh, I thought at first that was rather cold-hearted of her. <laughs> <laughs> but I understand what she was talking about because in death, there's this finality to it with where dad was. We didn't know. We had no idea whether he was going to be capable of even being able to drive, to walk, to, to work again or whatever. And uh, But as he began to progress, and uh, my dad's, uh, my gosh, he's a, uh, let's just say, I don't know if it's that farming instinct or whatever, but he's a fighter. And he actually fought his way back into being healthy again. Um, now, there were a few things that happened in the head injury. I lost some things in my dad. There were some switches that were shut off. One in particular was he just wasn't emotional. Um, so he could talk about the weather. He could talk about sports and all of that. But to have deep conversations like a son would like to have with his father, um, that it just wasn't there anymore. And so I had to realize that there was a part of my dad I lost. Um, it, it's, and uh, I don't think you, you, those of you all have, have probably experienced loss at one time or another. But for my father, there was a, I realized several years into it that there was a, a father's blessing that I always wanted from my dad that I probably would never get. You know, you just kind of resolve that that's probably not going to happen. You know, the, the idea of, of imparting those things that he felt that was valuable unto me as an adult, I was going to miss out on all that. He, uh, he really didn't, <coughs> his ability to remember the past was really pretty good. I mean, he could literally drive anywhere that he had been to prior to the accident. But to ask him to drive anywhere after the accident, he would get lost. So he, so he was the one who always took me to the airport whenever I was traveling. And, uh, and after the accident, or after they put the new, uh, um, the new terminal in at Indianapolis International, I couldn't, I couldn't have him take me to the airport anymore because he wouldn't be able to find his way back home. So there were just certain switches that were just shut off. Um, the, the cool thing about it, though, was every snowstorm was the worst source snowstorm he ever saw. Every, every football game was, my gosh, that was the best game he'd ever seen in his life, you know. Um, uh, but I lost something in all that. And, and I think through the years, I really, oh, gosh, I didn't realize how, how difficult that was. I think uh, I just kind of, you know, we Freemans, we just kind of gloss it over and go on with life, not realizing that I never really owned it as a loss uh, until of recent. And, um, and so th then I began to talk to God about it and just said, Lord, you know, I, I'm still waiting for the day that I hear my dad say I love you. Because uh, I've not heard that before. It was just not, you know, my mom was German. 
And my dad was kind of English, kind of, you know, I can remember the amount of times they've kissed on one hand. I think it was maybe four or five times. I'm sure they did. I mean, I'm here, so they, they had to do something. <laughs> but <laughs> All right, we just went to PG-13, didn't we? <laughs> um, but they just did not show a lot of affection. So um, I just didn't see that in my, my dad and mom. And that's something that I, I longed for, but it just wasn't there. And so especially after the accident, I thought any chance of that probably is not going to happen. And, um, and so as I'm processing it through the years, and of recent, my dad, he's 89 now. Can you throw that picture of dad and I together up? Ah, oh, look at him. Can you tell uh, I am definitely my, uh, my father's son? <laughs> yeah, I know. It's funny. Yeah. I was actually, uh, um, my dad was, uh, or my mom was having a, an outpatient procedure, and I had taken her to the doctor or to the hospital. And uh, so they were asking me if I was going. <laughs> they said, so are you going to wait around for your wife, uh, or do you want us to take your number and call you when the surgery's done? I go, wife? <laughs> That's my mom. What do you mean, <laughs> wife? <laughs> She's 85. I mean, there's 25 years difference. Anyway, so, uh, my brother has yet to let me live that down. So, yeah, uh, I have a brother. He's seven years younger and uh, about three inches taller. So he's a big guy. Some of you have met him before. Um, but anyway, Dad took a fall um, earlier this summer that put him back into the hospital, and uh, um, and I. Once again, we were in a position where we didn't know whether he was going to live through it or not. And I was like, I, it was almost like I was going to God saying, God, why, 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 why? I, I just, there's some, I want something from my dad. And, uh, and the Lord, he, he brought it home in this whole situation over the last several months with dad that, that, that my dad has been imparting and speaking to me all along. I just couldn't see it. See, I saw it through the circumstances and the loss, and it, it kind of clouded my ability to be able to see what Dad was really imparting to me. And this is what it was. When his switches got switched off in his brain, he didn't think in regards to past or future. It wasn't on his grid to think anymore. So the guy literally lives fully in the moment. So everything he experiences is like the greatest thing ever. It's the wildest thing. And so, you know, you can talk about things from the past, and he goes, oh, yeah, yeah, that happened. But he immediately reorients or orients himself right back into the present where he's at now. And so I'm sitting here going, oh, my gosh, how did I miss this? Because that's the impartation I've received from my father. It's to fully live in the present. He's a happy guy. He'll probably live to be 150. I don't know. He has no stress on his life at all. I mean, even now, I mean, you look at him and go, he, he's, in, uh, he's in nursing care right now because he really can't get up and walk and all of that. But I go in every day, and boy, we break the cards out, and we just have the greatest time. Now, now, the one thing that happened in the fall, I don't know what, but it must have jarred his head. But guess what came back? His emotions. 
yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so, so here I am now living in the reality. Of, I have a dot dad that's glad to see me, and he's showing that he's happy to see me. <laughs> that's why I keep saying, it's just any day now he's going to go, I love you. I, I leave every day from the room going, love you, dad. He goes, oh, thank you. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> that's my family, right? <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> but I know the time's coming eventually that, that he's going to say it. But even if he doesn't, he's already showing it in this season of his life. And so, yeah, yeah. So now I read the scripture and I'm looking at this and I'm seeing dad all over it. Because he's not, he's not in bondage to the past. You know, so much of our sozo ministry counseling, all that kind of stuff is actually to try to restore proper perspective that we lost because of a trauma. See, you cannot be any more loved than you can be at this moment by your God because he's always loved you and he doesn't love you based on your circumstance or situation or whether you're doing this or not. That's just not him. Uh, what's that? Uh, what's Brian's line? That was your line? <laughs> that was... Uh, uh, Daddy's not mad at me anymore, so I'm not going to be mad at myself. Gosh, I mean, how profound is that? So, I hope what, what you're hearing here is that, listen, we need to deal with stuff in the past. I totally understand that. But the truth of the matter is that doesn't mean that God doesn't already love you. And the, 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 what he does is he loves us into the fullness of the reality of how much he loves us. I mean, seriously, I, I spent most of my life going, gosh, I wish God loved me. I wish I, man, I wish I could do this better because if I do this better, I know that he would be proud of me and all that. And the whole time, like my dad in his life, God's screaming at me saying, I've always loved you. That has never changed. Okay make sense so for my dad he doesn't worry about the past my mom worries about the past and the present and the future and the next I don't know the millennium and the return of Christ and thousand years from now and all that I mean she worries oh gosh yeah and I you know when I talk to her about mom 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 you're just you're obsessing you're worrying she goes well, you're an optimist and I'm a realist. Have you ever heard that before? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's my mom. <laughs> so, <laughs> but my dad, he has no stress. I mean, the only stress that he has is in the moment. And that's if he's trying to get up off the chair to go use the bathroom or something like that. It doesn't make him any less of a person. He's just not stressing about things that he can't control. And the guy has no worry about the future because he's a, he's a man of routine. And he just, once he gets locked into a routine, he's just this happy guy. I mean, that smile is, that's dad. He's just, I, I, I don't know, it's something. So here I am. All these years I've been saying, God, wish I could receive something from my dad. And the whole time, dad, had been modeling the very thing that God wanted me to get from him. Isn't that crazy? It didn't have to be words. 
I mean, it, his actions were speaking louder than any, any kind of declaration I could have got from him. I just couldn't hear it. I couldn't see it at the time. Hmm. Isn't that crazy? So, and I don't, you know, I don't know how much more time I have with Dad. He's 89. He's, uh, um, Mom keeps thinking that uh, she's going to go before him. And I would say yes, because uh, her stress, <laughs> her stress level. <laughs> but then she's like, and then you're going to have to take care of your father. Okay, we can do it, Mom. Um, those of you that have aging parents, you you know, it's a, it can be a challenging time. But if we can look beyond the current circumstance, you're going to find that there's a blessing that God has for you. You know, really. So, so here we are. You know, we're we're called as a church to to seek His kingdom. And I love the fact that, you know, God just says, well, here, e eagerly seek these things and trust that I have already gladly given you the kingdom. <laughs> what? <laughs> See, I used to think that, that I was trying to earn the kingdom. When in, in reality, what God is doing is day by day, he's stepping me into the reality kingdom that I already have, you know. It's like, oh, oh, that's how this works. <laughs> so you're dealing with my mindsets, my perspective on things, and he's renewing my mind in order for me to be able to see things as they really are, not how I see them, through whether it's my brokenness or through my circumstances and situations, because all of us go through it. I mean, I've, it's been mountaintop and valley for me even this year. But the one constant is, I know, I know that God loves me, and he's already giving me every, he's never, he's not withheld anything, uh, if I can just recognize it. I remember, I think it was Mike Bickle that used to say this. He'd say, you know, uh, having a relationship with God is, uh, is like having an ATM with a debit card, but it's our, choos our choice to go up and use the ATM. And most people never take their debit card out of the wallet to actually tap into the blessings of the Lord. Because we, we just, it's just not, I don't know. I think we, we feel like that at any given time we can make our Papa God mad or something. It's like, no, no. That's so counter to his culture. It's so counter to his nature. Because God is love. Yeah, he is love. Um, if you want to define love in its purest sense, it's the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. I mean, that, that right there is love. So, Anyway, so my encouragement to you, and then I'm going to wrap this up, um, is um, ask the Lord about getting more present anchored. You know, we would say presence anchored many times in the charismatic church, but I'm saying present anchor. That means not, not uh, um, obsessing with the past, but also not obsessing with the future. Those things are gonna, they're gonna happen. You know, they're gonna happen. They really are. But God's got your back. He's, when he speaks those things, uh, they are gonna come to pass. Now they may come to pass in, in, in maybe a different 
facet than maybe what we thought, like in my dad's case. God knew all along he was going to impart something from my dad to me. And he did, finally, <laughs> when I recognized it. So, All right, so here we are. Guys, I understand. We need to deal with stuff in the past. You all know that. I mean, we do. If there are things that are standing in the way of your ability to be able to see yourself as God sees you, we have to deal with that. We really do. Because trust me, when you deal with it and you begin to see God's perspective on you, it's going to change your whole perspective of life. And it's like our brother was talking about. It's in what Jason was saying, too, is now we can actually see one another from the fullness of how God sees one another. So even if a person isn't saved, we have the ability to be able to see them fully redeemed as God sees them, you see. And that'll radically change the way we relate to one another, right? Yeah, yeah. That's about it. Oh, was that okay, you guys? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, okay, but to summarize this, let's all go on the journey together. Let's just become present, okay? We're asking God's presence to be in the moment when we're here. Let's also be present, okay? Because I'm telling you, it's going to change the way you parent. It's going to change the way you relate to your peers. When you realize that, oh my gosh, I don't have an image to try to uphold and protect because I know I'm fully loved by God. So now you can relate to people, not from a standpoint of how are they going to make me better or make me look better. You can just relate to them purely as God wants to relate to them. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. So past, deal with it. Future, don't worry about it. Present, hang there as much as you possibly can. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>